On this week's episode of 90 Degrees, the future of wagertainment, sports moments that made us drink as fans, and why sharp bettors need to let the squares have fun. That and more on today's episode of 90 Degrees. Welcome to 90 Degrees, the show where we take an inside look into the sports betting industry. I'm your host, G-Stack George, and I'm excited because I got friend of the Hammer Betting Network, Jeff Feinberg, contributor for the Mayo Media Network, and Odds Checker US. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this. Anytime, George. Enjoy the show. Looking forward to chatting here with you. Jeff, you're seen as this uh, disgruntled fan. That's your their, your your gimmick here on the, uh, on the Hammer Betting Network. I want to know... When before you you uh, unfortunately had bad experiences with your sports teams, what was life growing up? Were you a diehard sports fan? Yeah, diehard sports fan. Lucky enough, went to a ton of Blue Jay games. They win two World Series when you're nine and ten years old. That's lifetime equity. Um, you know, Leaf games, and then obviously when you're young and you get introduced to the NFL, you're like, holy crap, I think I like this more than these other sports, and then football sort of takes over. So, yeah, sports a huge part uh, of growing up, like big wax box, uh, like, uh, you know, card era, mm. a lot of baseball cards, a lot of, lot of that for sure. All right, so you, you're in Toronto, and you're unfortunately born in the cursed city of sports, and obviously you're a Jays and Leafs fan. But how do you become a Chargers fan? How, how do you land on that team? And do you remember what year it was? Because we all, C- Canadians aren't around football, right? We don't know the NFL intimately until we're a, a little bit older in life. So I went to my first Chargers game the year before they went to the Super Bowl in 1994. Mm. Um, my grandfather made a decision that to retire in San Diego, he was successful, got to make that decision. And he did that. Now, do I wish he like retired in Pittsburgh or Green Bay and I would have enjoyed a, a winning football team? That's probably would have been nice, but that's not realistic. San Diego's most everything you hear about San Diego is true. I love San Diego, but I grew up going to San Diego at Christmas time over holidays. Uh, I had a Seau jersey and hat before I knew went to a game and then I went to a game and then. The next year, I'm 10 years old, and they go to the Super Bowl. So it's like an easy, like, oh, I like this team. They're pretty good. And, you know, like, it doesn't take much to get the itch, and it's time to pick a team. And where you live, where I live, you're either going to pick a Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills, who were four straight Super Bowls, uh, I want to say before the chart. Yeah, they went to four straight Super Bowls right before the Chargers went to a Super Bowl. All of us lost. But I didn't want to be a Bills fan. Uh, I just didn't want to be a Bills fan. I thought it was different and fun to like a different team that no one knew anything about, especially locally before the internet, like your friends and before the internet. But yeah, it's a long winded way of saying, uh, you know, in the same way, I got friends who are Dolphin fans because their boobies went to Miami and brought them home a pennant in 1988. I have, uh, I, I am a Chargers fan because I went to visit family on vacation. Well, you mentioned Junior Seau, and thank you for sharing the end of his career with us in Miami. I got bamboozled into being a Dolphins fan. My uncle uh, sat me on the couch when I was first learning about the sport of football, and he said, you see that quarterback right there? That is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. What he didn't tell me was he was in his second last year, and then I would spend 20 years searching for another quarterback to get excited for. (laughs) Jeff, well, uh, a lot of people who work in sports, you know, that was an aim or a goal of theirs growing up. Would you say the same or did you have like another ideal uh, job that you wanted when you were a kid? No, I think I wanted to work in sports. I didn't really know what I would I would do. Um, yeah, but it was never like a plan. I never had like a vision or or a process. And, and I guess, um, you know, your next question can tell you how sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. Although people who are working sports media saying you're not lucky because it, it led to decision. It led to you staying in sports media, which in some respects probably a, or you could argue is a bad decision. Um, instead of making the pivot, like totally out of this cesspool many, many years ago. Um, but yeah, no, I had no plan to get into sports media I finished college. I went to Western. I then like just wanted to, I don't know, I could just not have to work if I kept going to school. 
So I went to more school. I went to George Brown and they had internship programs and I got set up at the score and I had buddy that ended up in archives. I lucky better be lucky than good. George ended up in what was the new, um, Sirius satellite radio station, hardcore sports radio, then became score radio, uh, gave Marenzi cam Stewart. So that's sort of where I got my first taste as an intern in sports media. And if you wonder why I'm like, I have no, my professional training in this is from cam and Gabe, which is pretty much just be a fan and say how you feel and, and be relatable in that way, instead of trying to be an, well, I can be a know-it-all, but I know I know nothing, I guess. Well, I actually wanted to ask you because I heard Rob say once that you were a Chase producer, and I started off in media as a Chase producer. Now, my job was easier. Uh, we had internet. There was social media. It was a lot easier to find people and search up their uh, you know, their company name and, and track down and get the number for them. How are you chasing guests uh, before before all of this stuff? Gee, yeah, media guides, that was a big thing. Like just rifling the media guides, shooting off a lot of emails. Literally, you're like a baseball player. You send 10 emails, you get two replies. You're like you get three hits. You're like, I'm the best. I I'm the best. Um, it's a good feeling, camera it's pretty a good feeling when you uh, nail down a guest, right? There, there's a little. Yeah, it's a good feeling, especially a good guest, especially as a guest that the host, um, you know, really wanted or something that you had you had been working on but yeah all of it and the letdown of a guest and a guest like agreeing and you have a time and a number and then they're not picking up the phone and the host is looking back at you through the mirror like what the hell is going on and it's a it's a very helpless feeling you know, I sometimes kind of feel like you're drowning but um yeah no that's where I got got my start and then a few months later someone was offered a full-time job in in the radio part and they turned it down and I guess I quickly proved to Gabe and Cam that I like know what I'm doing and I could help out because like I had already been a gambler. Like I gambled, I gambled on sports, knew all the terms. Like it was all very normal to me and such. I want to ask you about that. But before I do, um, one of my favorite moments as a producer, we had Butch Carter, uh, the former Raptors coach in the studio with my host, Barbara Julio. And I just, I handed Barb a note because we had a whiteboard, but the guests could see it and I didn't want her to see what, I wrote there, so I brought in her a note. I said, I'm going to play some audio, and I just want you to get Butch's reaction. And it was Chris Carter, his brother, the NFL Hall of Fame receiver, talking about how Butch was basically his dad in his Hall of Fame speech. And we got like one minute of this big Butch Carter having sobbing on, on the air. And it was just like stand up, hairs on the arm, chill moment, couldn't believe it. That's when I knew I was hooked in media. Did you know very early on this is something you want to do long term? I will just say that when your first job is working with Cam Stewart and Gabe Morenci, and Rob could probably attest to this, um, although we, we uh, like, I had a, so much fun, and I'm not not that work should be fun. So it was very like like work shouldn't be fun, but your first job is the most fun you're like ever having in your whole life, and you stay in media trying to chase sort of that fun. I could argue ended up being detrimental, but I only look back on it with, with incredible memories and good times. And a lot of great people yeah. came out a of the score, but even of our little, um, and I don't put myself in that, uh, people far more accomplished than I came out from that little pocket of, uh, score radio and the score is anyone in Canada, Toronto certainly knows was really at the forefront of trying to make gambling and betting like more mainstream than it ever, ever was before it actually got there. You know what the score reminded me of? And I'm going to give a wrestling analogy and I apologize because I'm a wrestling fan. Uh, the TSN and Sportsnet were the WWE and WCW of wrestling. And the score was ECW. It was this uh, different style, a little bit more raucous, different energy. And so much talent came out of that place. Uh, it was really something to remember in Canadian media. You said that you were already familiarized with sports betting terms and Morenci knew he could count on you. Um, what was your start in sports betting? Like, did you grow up in a family where gambling was prevalent? 
So gambling is not prevalent in my house. I've never seen my dad make a bet. I've honestly never. And and hey, he's good. I'm very lucky. He's been successful. And maybe that's a sign of someone being super successful is not gambling. Keep your money. Do smarter things with it or responsibly always. But that was just to say, no, it wasn't like a big thing. But he is responsible in the sense that he got me started. Uh, his buddies did like a Randall the Handle football pool, mm. and we had to fax in the picks. And he would and he would fax in the picks each week. And uh, that was the year. That was the year after the Chargers went to the Super Bowl. So 1995 was the first time I was making I was making bets against the spread. And then, um, yeah, and, and I placed, I placed and I won money. And then ever the, since that, I was hooked. And then the very first year after that, I was making like pro lines from week one. And then, you know, having my dad take me to the convenience store to make some, some pro lines on football, which is a, just a local government gambling convenience store lottery that we got to do here in Ontario. Yeah. The one that probably was all of our first unofficial bookies here in Toronto and Ontario. You said a name, Randall the Handle, that I completely forgot. You unlocked a memory that I didn't remember. And I remember in the newspaper, uh, Randall's uh, Randall's top bets. Um, what sports are you currently betting? I know you're big on the NFL and golf. Do you bet everything or do you specialize in those two? I'll bet anything. I mean, I don't. I don't bet NBA at all. When I say I don't bet, I mean, like, I'm not capping it. I'm not looking to bet it. Yeah. But, George, if you show me you're crushing it or I know you're great at it, I'll be, I, I'm always – and the wife's going out and I got a night in front of the TV. I got no problem, like, hitting up a buddy who I know crushes that league to be like, what do you got? Give yeah. me something. Yeah. If I'm on a vacation with Pozzola, which has happened before out of town with them, they're like, lay me the puck picks. Let's go. Like I'm with you. I know you got that under control. I'm happy to do it, but no, I don't, I don't like, um, like to get involved last. I don't bet baseball I bet it the other day. A dude on the Cubs dropped a fly ball. They were already up six, nothing. They lost the game yeah. like that. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't bet at college football. Like I'll, I'll bet college football on Saturday, but they're not my own picks. And sure. I can admit that. I don't care. What, what level of better would you describe yourself as? So I call myself a sophisticated square. I don't know what that means level, but um, I also bet like pretty much for entertainment. Like I'm entertainment first. I like to think I've proven enough that I like can meet my quotas, like, you know, doing the weekly golfer football, you know, it's NFL. I, I'm a sophisticated square. And what I mean by that is a, I've been privileged in my life to work in, some great spots in media a you know even with the young rob pozzola where i like have my opinions but i am surrounded by people who i can acknowledge are smarter than me i got to produce you know sports experts for gay morency and we had like teddy covers Dave malinsky mark lawrence on all the time like i could these guys are professional betters um you know just getting introduced to other people and seeing how modeling works years ago but at the same time I'm also capable of getting together with my friends and we'll make a muck muck parlay. I'll bet a future like kind of for jokes. I'll make a bet on next year's masters. A professional will be like, you don't bet next year's masters. You take that hundred bucks. You bet a game tonight. You turn it into 200. You did it. Like, no, I don't give a crap. Like, I don't care. Yeah. But that's easy to say. I wanted to ask you about that because a lot of uh, pros, they get mad and they tell people, no, you shouldn't bet like this. And like, I almost like they're the uh, uh, taking away the fun. And, and there's got to be some part of like, listen, recreational bettors want to have some fun. They want to they want to put some money down. They know not to expect to win long term doing that. But they are, but that's their entertainment. Do you think there's this divide where uh, recreational bettors get turned off when they get lectured to about what bets they're making? Well, as long as you're self-aware as to what you are, and I think like anyone that's gotten to know me and part of the reason I've been able to build up or maintain even the smallest audience is I've been always authentic about who I am, how I bet, what I bet on. I say sophisticated square because I'll make a square bet, but I know I'm making a square bet. Like, so there's a level of like, I'm aware what I'm doing and I do things that a sharp would never do. 
Sharp doesn't get together on Sunday with his friends and everyone gets to pick a game and make a parlay together. A Sharp doesn't bet a like a, a future, like just to, you know, to have it in the account on his favorite team. Like, so there are certain things. A Sharp doesn't just bet a TV game because it's on TV on Thursday, Sunday night, Monday night. Like, so, so, but I, I bet those things, but I know what I am doing. I know I'm some, like, I know my tendencies are too square at times to ever be a sharp. And I don't, I don't want to not, I'm not even taking a shot at sharps or saying I should, if I tone down some of this stuff, I could be a sharp. I'm just saying I'm betting for entertainment mainly, but I'm not an idiot like i'm not pulling in 30 percent, 35 percent. like i'm doing better yeah um but uh but i like to think i'm honest with with my audience yeah you are it nick costas uh says the same thing about listen i i know i don't want to do the things that some pros have to do in order to become pros he goes i just want to have some fun I'm, i get paid for media uh my fans know this i entertain people and i have fun betting it's entertainment is an incredible term i used it recently to describe my Ryder cup betting card which it's a totally different type of golf event it's one of my favorite things i just a bunch of wagertainment wagers for me um yeah i love nick and ken and and they're doing great things and and that's one of the more for me i really enjoy that show because it doesn't they don't sort of talk down um but but i don't know i feel like sharps just talk to sharps like right or for the most part i don't know but i got buddies who love like i love listening to sharps pod that's also why i say i'm a sophisticated square because i take in so much sharp people's content but I still want to make my own decisions because I still, you know, so uh, again, that's where I go back to. Uh, and I've said it a lot, but a sophisticated square, because I know, I know when I'm doing things I'm not supposed to, but this isn't, this isn't um, not every, this is a really maybe silly thing to say because some people's purpose in betting is just to win money. Sometimes mine isn't. I don't have many hobbies and my hobbies revolve around sports. And I don't know, sometimes hobbies can get expensive. You just got to do them responsibly. It's going to be like a really people be like this guy is crazy, but that that's how uh that's how I roll. A break even Sunday is incredible. Like, that's incredible. A day with the boys, have good times, the good, the bad. I mean, you hope it ends on a high note, but I claim that as a win. But I don't have to feed. I don't. I don't pay my mortgage by winning bets either. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk to you about Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last twenty-five years. Twenty-five years of competitive odds. Your trusted sports book. Bet smart. Bet Pinnacle. Must be nineteen plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Not available in the U.S. Now back to the show. You know, I have a buddy who makes serious bank. Uh, in banking and to the, it's just pure entertainment for him first of all he doesn't even bet a, a large amount he bets an amount that's good enough for him to enjoy uh the games that raises the level of entertainment and you're right when i was first talking to rob maybe a year and a half ago before i was on the hammer i told him i think there's a missing element to uh content in sports betting media space in that sometimes sharp bettors are catering to a small percentage of the audience that that will follow those lessons and learn. But I think there's got to be some um, level of entertainment that people also take out of it and get to enjoy and have the fun in betting there. They'll never give up their job. They just want to have a little bit of, uh, you know, um, uh, back in the day, movie theater money, like popcorn money. And I, you're 100 and Rob is so good. Like Rob is very direct at breaking you down. He did a great preseason show with Pat Mayo. He's like, even if you're a square, like you could do a few things that just help you lose a little bit less, which is, you know, with the cost of buying Doritos today, Joey, we used to walk into the store and get two for five of the big bags. That was like two for nine. And that was a year ago. So just losing money, you know, just even if you're a square, there are things you can, simple things you can do that can help you lose less like a have a lot of books and get the best number so when you win you are winning um you know like especially for golf like you're winning 
the most, but not to make this into a whole sharp versus square. And I'll make like most of my Twitter, like everything on my Twitter in that element is like a joke. It's just a joke. I just like poking the bear because you listen to some of these shows and the way these guys like pat themselves on the back for getting a point and a half before a game is played. And then you see a game played and a ref takes away a first down. And if you're watching a live line, like those point and a halves are given away. So I don't want to demean them, especially in football. Kind of so many games are so close, but I think you get, get my, my overall assessment here is like those point and a halves there. You grind it for the NBA only to watch a free throw contest at the end. Um, and you always, I'm not an idiot. I make jokes about professionals. And I get a couple good lines. I'm like, am I a pro now? Give me my CLV. I'm not naive to know. Obviously, if you get the better end of the book, the majority of the time, all the time, you're way more likely to come out on top. But some of these things, these guys lose their minds over. The enter, the wagertainment guy honestly sees as like negligible negligible but but hey if you it's your mortgage it's how you put food on the table a point a five cent line move is 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 everything it's everything i, I guess I've got, yeah. I've got one for you i have a group chat of buddies they do everything they, they do the group squad parlay everybody pick a player prop and they win the uh they hit that bet every team kicks a field goal uh that was uh two weeks ago i think it was week two of the nfl but they laid it at a book that was like 30 to one and not at the book that was dealing it at 200 to one. And they were so mad at themselves, right? Just that little, if you just shopped and they're two of the largest sports books. So it's not like you have to shop obscure books. If they just did uh, five minutes of shopping, they would have made six and a half times more money than they did that Sunday. So that's an example of, listen, just add a little bit of element to, uh, to, to your game. And you can still have your fun and be a little bit better and lose a little bit less money than usual. 100%. Um, again, there are a lot of things us squares can do that can like just help us lose, lose less. Uh, but again, I have, it does seem like being a professional better right now is, is a lot of work. Like I don't even diminish it. Like having to get that money in, when the books, once you show that you're good at betting, they cut your knees out from you and how you you get all of that taken care of. Um, like, I'm not diminishing, like, how much effort and on the clock you've got to be to sort of get the um, edge because the margins are are so small absolutely everywhere. I'm just a believer that in-game variance remains undefeated until the death. Hey, the easiest way to improve as a sports better is use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. We recommend using an odds comparison tool like Betstamp. Betstamp compares odds across every sports book for games, futures, and player props. Save time and money by checking Betstamp before you bet. Download the app today. If you're looking to sign up for a new sports book account, please check out the offers available at betstamp.app forward slash circles off or hit the link in the description. If you sign up through this page, it helps to support the show. Now back to the episode. Yeah, there, there's a couple of games already this year that uh, were fortunate results, depending what side you're on. Uh, you're a jaded sports fan. That's 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 you, Jeff. That's what you're known as. That's what they they joke about. I want to play a game with you, okay? Yeah. Uh, I want to play a game called How Many Drinks to Forget the Pain. You just tell me the amount of drinks it takes to forget about these key moments in your fandom history all right uh fourth and 29 against the ravens up three late in the game joe flacco throws a one-yard dump off to ray rice he was short he was short he was short. every play is still he was short even though it was a 28 and three quarter yard play he was still short i don't know regular like that's a drink like i whatever one, i shake one drink it was just yeah, that off. yeah the stakes were the shit i've been through that's that that that's like yesterday. That that doesn't matter. But okay, I'm, there's right. worse coming. I know. Let's go recent Jaguars. Uh, come back from down twenty-seven, nothing in the wild card round of the playoffs last year. Be honest. I like to. Yeah, I said no, 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 no. I think about it every day. Yeah, like that's just the reality. I think about it every day. Um. We go to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs and the Chargers play close games. 
beating a team who plays you really close all the time, three times. I think about it every day. And and now it's just one of those things where you don't want it to be a thing. And that's what the start of this current season. It's like, you don't want it to be a thing. You don't want it to fester. Yeah. The sooner we can stomp that out, the sooner every time people want to discuss Justin Herbert, that's just like part of his adolescent. Like, but if we don't, if they don't overcome it some way, then that's just part of their fabric forever. So that's my fear. It's more a, it's a, it's a past pain, but that one is still so close and it creates a forward fear of, of how a loss like that can linger. I'm ironically wearing teal, like a Jaguar teal right now too, George. How many drinks? How many drinks? A drink. That was that, that dude. I, I ruptured my patella tendon less than a year ago. I had some leftover like oxys. Like that wasn't just drinks. <laughs> that wasn't right. just drinks. All right. How about this one? That uh, wasn't just drinks. The Leafs blow a three goal lead to the Boston Bruins in game seven. So that's when I still like one of the healthiest things I've ever done in my life, George, was somehow separate myself from the Leafs. I still love them. I'm still a fan. But the emotional attachment that you see that I have with the Chargers, I actually like cut that cord. And I was all in with the Leafs as a child. uh, I produced Leafs lunch over at TSN radio like I live and die the Leafs. Um, That was I was still living and dying then. That was that was bad. Nothing. That was bad. Uh, yeah, maybe Jaguars esque, but I was young. I was a little more spur. I I, I don't know, George. Horrible. I was, it's supposed to be word association. I'm going way too long. It's all horrible. Uh, that to me was a whole bottle. And I'll tell you why, Jeff. I I am I am I've been you know I've seen some shit. Whenever we got a late lead, my cousin and I will turn to each other and we'll say, "Listen, it's not over. We've seen some shit in life." And there's a point in a game where you're always on edge. You just want to see the triple zeros, right? When the Leafs score to go up 4-1 with eight minutes to go, Jeff, I finally allowed myself to let my guard down. I finally mentally said, we're advancing. And and this is this is why it hurts more because I allowed myself to yeah. be vulnerable. And I was in a bar. Uh, my buddy had a bar and there was like 70 people in there and we exploded. We were slapping the wall, hugging. It was like kumbaya. Everybody was so happy. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when they when they came back, Boston, uh, Jeff, I've been in funeral homes that had more happiness in the room than that moment in that bar. And I will never watch a crucial game with too many people around again because it's bad enough that I was depressed. I had to deal with 70 other people's depression as well. I, I literally felt... Like we were in a funeral home at that moment. Yeah, that was a, that was. That one hurts. I can tell. That one still, yeah, that one still, that one still lingers a little bit. Yeah. I got one more. And I'm glad you said you're a Chargers fan from 94 because this one was from a little bit way back. And I wanted to know if that you would remember it. It's 2006. Yeah, I do. It's the worst moment of my life. The Chargers are up. They're 14 in my life, 14 and two Marty ball. The chargers are the best team in the NFL. This was the year they were going to win the Super Bowl, And they're up 21, 13 on the Patriots with six minutes left. And Marlon McCree intercepts Brady only to fumble the ball. Yeah. Chargers go on to lose the game. Marty Schottenheimer subsequently gets fired. Never to be a head coach again in the NFL. How many drinks was that one? I was in college, man. Uh, There's still like, I still got a cell phone in a wall on, uh, in that house. Like so things went through it. Like I Brady, like Brady wasn't Brady, Brady, but he was still Brady then. And we picked him, and you just, and then you running around trying to be a hero, Troy Brown, the every man who also goes and plays DB, the Patriot way guy. And then Brady gets a second chance and just, uh, I'm lucky enough to say I've, I've like, um, fortunate enough that I guess I've, when I could say it's the worst moment of my life, I mean, relative that I'm, I guess I'm lucky that I've never had something actually horrible happen in, in my life. I know that's a pretty empty statement, uh, but yeah, that's, 
that was the first that was probably the really no i guess because the year before nick kading missed a short field goal versus the jets but yeah that's sort of like when we first chargers gonna charge sort of moment i think um and we've never we've never overcome it that era of charger team george they were able to beat Peyton Manning a lot, but to get to the Super Bowl, you had to beat Manning and Brady pretty much in consecutive weeks, and could just couldn't do it. Never. I I love Philip Rivers. I I I have such an admiration. Like he is one of my favorite quarterbacks to never play for my team. I have such a deep love for not just his skills because this man was the best quarterback in his draft class, even though. He's the only one of the three that didn't have a Super Bowl. Rivers was better than both of them, and I will die on this hill forever. I loved his trash talk. I loved everything about his swagger. He was a real big balls gunslinger. I love watching that guy play football. You named my second daughter, uh, River. well, her middle name, River. People in my family weren't happy about that, but I don't care. I would... This is going to sound really weird, but I love that football team. And the reason I love it to the extent I love it is probably him more than Ladanian, more than Gates. Like getting this is, sounds silly because if you got to have Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or now Mahomes or one of these quarterbacks that always win, you like are going to laugh at what I say. But every Sunday, it didn't matter if they were a 10 point dog, George. Like I was had no, getting into my foxhole. With Philip Rivers, you got like what are the funnest moments as a sports fan? To me, it's just Sunday morning knowing I get to go, like like football fans might think I'm nuts, knowing I get to go into a battle and I like say that facetiously, but with my team and with Philip, like that was now by four by six o'clock, I could be not fun, but I was always ready to walk into that foxhole and literally die die with him and he gets made fun of for these things but like i don't know like we're down two scores with a minute left he throws picks like yeah of course he's not trying to lose by six he's we've got to score in 20 seconds well i had this convo with jason jason once uh, and producer jason he texted me i think a week and a half ago about uh Quarterbacks that are not clutch in the moment. And I said, let's let's relook at the argument. I said, Tom Brady oftentimes was in games where he scored 14 offensive points the entire game, and his defense kept him in there. And sure enough, he got the ball with a minute left, and he drove, and he won the game. And then guys like Rivers and Manning and even Herbert now are in shootouts that are in the 30s. They happen to make a crucial mistake late in the game, and they get labeled unclutch. And I'm like... Yes, but the reason that they even had a chance at you have it, a memory of a game where the Chargers blew a team out, like just just in your head, in recent memory, in the Justin Herbert era. Do you have a memory of a game they blew someone out? So, so for all the times you turned on the TV with two minutes left and you watched the last ninety seconds, like oh, this guy sucks. There's just as many of them where it was the other way because every he's like two games over five hundred in his career. So I think it's like something like 28 and 26. It's or, or three and a half. I don't, I don't know the math on three years of football. Maybe like 26 and 24. Whatever. Every win is essentially him playing hero ball in the fourth quarter. The Chargers never, maybe last year when the season was late, they played like Nick Foles and Baker. There was a stress-free game in there. I don't want people to call me out. Like, But to my point, we don't play stress-free games. Every time we won, he was clutch late. Like that's it. And when we lose, it's because we lost by three points and he didn't throw an interception. Well, what so, about the what about the Raiders game two years ago, the last game of the season? He's four for four. It, he's four for four on fourth down and all long. And he gets them to overtime and the Raiders get the ball and, and it's game over. They win. And it's like, oh, Herbert lost. Didn't make the playoffs. I'm like, what more did you need that guy to do in that game? I don't Anyone wants to question him, like literally go watch that four minutes of tape. But um, yeah, it's fun with Justin Herbert because it's third and 14. And I still think we can do We're going to convert. Yeah. yeah. We're going to convert. Imagine like you have Zach Wilson. You're praying for one first down. You're like, I do anything to get a first down right now. Like it's fun to play. That's why, George, anyone who follows me in the preseason, my motto for the Chargers before what has happened happened was fun and sadness. 
yeah. they're a fun team. Like you have Justin Herbert, the offense. It's a fun team. They play entertaining games, but they end in sadness. There's always sadness lurking around the corner. Hence fun and sadness, which I guess is better than some fans who just get sadness. I don't know. Believe me, I've, I've, I've ever since Dan Marino retired, Jeff, we have had one offense that was top 10. And now this year is like, I, I don't know what to do with myself. I've never experienced life like this, but it's odd. The Chargers have had three really good quarterbacks, Dan Fouts, Phillip Rivers, and Justin Herbert. And they, they have no Super Bowls. This year. Like, they're too good. They're all Hall of Fame level players. Too good to not have had a Super Bowl. Jeff, I don't want to focus on the sadness. I want to bring you up. Tell me what your favorite sports moment is uh, in your life as a fan. Probably Tim Linda Carter, Carter hitting the home run. Like, it's probably a cheat because you're 10 years old. But just being around, like, your dad, your uncles, your older cousins when those things happen and you see, like, the, the crack heroin that that is. Like, being with your older cousins and your uncles when Nikolai Borshevsky scores and you're like eight years old, you're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. Like, you know, totally like, you know, the rules of hockey, you know, you got to score, but the least lose, you just like, okay, are we playing Mario again? Like that sort of age. Um, but yeah, those are still maybe the memories as a little older. Like it's just, you know, first touchdown with the boys during a Super Bowl party. Like, we're all on Jordy Nelson to score a first touchdown. It happens. The pileup is insane. The wives and girlfriends are like, who are these animals? What just happened? Gronk a couple years ago, Mahomes rushing them in. Um, so, like, from a betting or – well, I shouldn't say I got better bets, but I don't know. I haven't had too many, like, personal where I'm happy because my team did something. With a back I got, flip, I guess, I got- but – I got one older, like I, in 2004, Greece won the Euro. And okay, yeah, I don't have anything like that. That was, and there was such an underdog. I remember that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really. I know. I know. We're both waiting for one. Like brother. From a personal to be like personally so happy. It's so corny. Like, a, like the favorites, Canada winning a hockey tournament. Like I, I didn't get to celebrate much. I wasn't. I like I like the Raptors. They're my favorite basketball team, but I I don't know. I didn't love them in a way that some of my friends did, so I was pretty jealous. Like I'm a Raptor fan, but it, it didn't hit me in a way where like it's gonna break me down, you know, if the Jays or Chargers ever did something special for me again. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really I know man. it's, it's I wish I had some. I really wish I had it. Some people get to pick from multiple ones, Jeff, and you and I, we can't even find one to, to celebrate on that level. So let's let's go to sports betting. Yep. I would say it's like when the Chargers would beat the Colts in playoff games. It's like eight-point underdogs and Phillip winning with like a torn ACL and the Billy Volick, Michael Turner. Like, like it was the uh, Patriots. Maybe that. And then to go, yeah, that, that, like if I had to deep dive, but nothing off the top of my head that makes me happy, sadly. How about a sports boat betting moment? What was the one of your life that you, if you could bottle that adrenaline, you would love to take another sip of it? Oh, dude, that's the easiest question I've ever been asked. Uh, Danny Willett winning the Masters, Jordan Spieth putting those balls in the drink, like literally not having it. Like that was the most magical thing. Just a quick backstory. That was pretty much the first year me and Mayo did our pod. Uh, essentially, that is the day after Carolina and Denver played in the Super Bowl. Will it won in Europe, I guess that Saturday or that Sunday. Uh, and I, I'd just been watching him a lot on the European tour. And this guy's really good. And I'm like, listen, if you just won money on the Super Bowl, you bet this Danny Willett to win the Masters right now, 150 to one. And me and Mayo, like, just, just uh, you know, pirated that bet, like all, all sort of lead up into the Masters. And he actually won the Masters. I, I, I still can't even believe that happened and i guess he didn't win the masters maybe speed lost the masters but the bets cashed and it kind of just um i probably the reason me and pat still do a golf like i'm not saying we wouldn't still do a golf show but it is a catalyst for for everything that has sort of come after uh from that so yeah shouting out danny willett to win the masters at 150 to 1 
is my is my Mona Lisa moment. That's your Babe Ruth, right? You pointed, you took your shot, you pointed, and then you hit the hit the home run, right? That you called your shot. You said it's Danny Willett, 150 to one. No, nobody's heard of this guy, and, and you called your shot and you nailed it. I guess so. Yeah, that was it. And he went. He had ended up having a, like an even nicer run in the lead up. And actually, by the time the tournament started, he was sixty six to one. So he was in that second, third tier of uh, third tier of the odds board, and it wasn't as crazy. But obviously, we had a lot of fans of the show or people who listened who had those tickets. People showing us they paid for like their weddings. It was a really like fun. It was a really fun thing to be a part of. And I will say that here, I'll embarrass myself with this though, George. Sunday, like I don't, that happens. I go to the office next day. Like I'm so young and stupid. I think like there's going to be an email from like ESPN to come like hire us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm walking in like a peacock, you know, like a D-Lo Brown. Like, I am strutting. I'm thinking, oh, we won't be here much longer. Um, I'm not, I listen. Uh, so, Joe, and, and my boy, Pat Mayo, is incredible. I honestly think he's like a genius. And he wasn't at the start or the cutting edge of YouTube, but he was at the cutting edge of, like, DFS YouTube and sports gambling YouTube. So, in our niche pocket... And certainly golf talk YouTube, because that's what we, the reason we talk football is because people enjoyed our camaraderie doing golf, which we started doing golf because no one was doing golf with sort of the passion they do when they love a hockey team or baseball team or football team. We brought that to golf. People liked it. And then everyone loves football. So there was just sort of like, we like you guys. We know you watch football, talk football. That was an easy that was an easy decision in, in that regard. And, you know, the comments on our football show, we had one yesterday on our YouTube, must have been the first time listener. He's like, I tuned in for football content. This is the first half hour. These guys are talking about nothing. But me and Pat look at each other like that's exactly what, like that's the point. Like that's what we, what we do. It's on that wager, wagertainment um, side of it where we never sort of profess ourselves to be something we aren't. It's amazing what one 150 to one guy that no one ever heard of can do for your equity in terms of people's opinions of you, I guess, in a space, a niche space. When do you meet Pat Mayo? Like, when do, when do you know? Do you know him before you work with him? And then when does it all take off? I met Pat at a startup here in Toronto. Um, we didn't work together. We were in like the same office. But uh, I saw what he was doing. Like, I was still at this point working for Morency again, running, getting him his guests. Mayo was off doing his own thing. So our paths would cross and we would talk golf. And it was fun because here's the thing, George. Like, now, even now, like, golf is so hyper niche where I can, like, call for a talk about any football team, have a conversation about anyone in the NHL, even a friend to talk about baseball. Like, I, at that time, like, I, I had no, none of my friends I could just, like, let's talk about Victor Dubuisson. Like, there's just no one in my inner circle where I could do that. So to meet someone who I could talk about Victor Dubuisson with together was nice. True story. First time I ever actually met Pat. Uh, I told him Jason Day was going to win the WGC match play this week. Jason Day won the WGC match play this week. So that was just like, oh, I guess this guy knows what he's talking about. And then we started doing golf shows kind of just like for majors. And then people, or maybe it was like the last major of a year one year and people really liked it. And the next year we started doing it, but no, I, I didn't know him before I met him at a startup here in, in Toronto and, and I'd already given him some credit, but he was just, I thought, uh, I couldn't see it at the time. Well, I did see it at the time. Cause I, I made it a priority to, to sort of stay involved with him. But like, I could tell this guy like got the internet in a way that sports media hadn't fully grasped how important, um, I, like I said, I guess maybe the YouTube element or, or some other parts of it, of it were, uh totally so yeah i i think i think the world of of pat yeah he you could tell he was savvy and he understood 
the evolution of where media was going to go. I remember I had Cabby on the pod and he talked about how his higher ups didn't want his content living on the internet because he want they wanted to draw back to the network. And it's like, no, that's, that's how you get people hooked and brand loyalty. You put it for them on the internet and let yeah. them consume it and like it. And, and then it, it all counts towards. And your then brand. once it's on the internet they, and they like you, they become in, they become engaged and loyal. And I don't mean to put more air in Pat's tires, but I guess people who are really familiar, like, I don't know what you call influencers. I wouldn't call Pat an influencer, but maybe it's like a DFS influencer. Nonetheless, like his audience is so engaged and loyal that, well, in terms of like how many followers he might have, he might still be considered a micro influencer, but by, by the impact, by, by how engaged and loyal that that audience actually is, he's way more than a micro influencer and can get compensated way more than a micro influencer because it is shown that his audience is incredibly engaged and loyal. Hence, if he asks them to participate in something, guess what? They will participate in something. This is why I like watch along content. It's it's easier than like shows that you prepare and do and take a lot of notes for. But it has way stronger brand loyalty and audience loyalty because you're engaging with them in the moment. They feel like they're a part of the show with you. And I think but that, that but that's also tough because it doesn't like the sports content, George. The toughest part about it is it the shelf life. It's just dead. It is like I we know it in golf. Before I met Pat, was I doing golf? Was I making golf bets before like 9 a.m. on a Monday? No, I wouldn't even look at a golf board till like Tuesday night. It's because, like, I don't know, I was still tired from yesterday's golf tournament. But it's content. Like, we got to get this out. It's got to get out. The tournament, it, it expires. It's like milk that goes bad in 30 hours. So if you get it out in 15 hours, there's just no point in putting it out almost, which makes it hard in the sports um, space and, you know, in conversations I'm sure like we all have in trying to grow things that we're a part of. You know, how do you, it's almost an impossible battle because what are you going to do? Turn your sports channel into like food reviews? I mean, I mean, maybe, but even still, even if we're doing food reviews with week three picks, we, no one gives a shit anymore because it's week three picks. That's why I like uh, evergreen content. And ever since I started me, uh, I was yeah, like, but who wants to debate is Pete Rose a Hall of Famer? Like who cares? Like evergreen? No, no. I, I, I mean, I focus more on the characters and the people and the personalities as opposed to the tired old debates that you frankly you can get anywhere super served. Jeff, before we go, uh I promised you some fun. Let's I want to do some word association with you before we go. I'm going to give you a name. You just give me your first reaction to that person's name, okay? Yeah. Philip Rivers. Dad. Darren Rovell. It's a bad word. You, you can be honest. You can be honest. I'm fucking cock. Tom Brady. That's what came to my head when you said his name, and I'm being honest. Tom Brady. The best ever. The coolest man to walk the earth. Oh, my my, my answer is a lot different to that one. Cam Stewart. Hilarious. Eric Eager. Football. Like, just uh, at levels I can't even comprehend. Foot, football. Genius. Uh, Brandon Staley. The monorail guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> he saw where 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 we were crashing in North Haberbrook, people. He sold you. He sold, he sold you me the bill of goods. Is a defensive coach who can't even get us like on the cutting edge of fourth down decisions. Cutting edge, and I bought it. Like I'm guilty of it, George. We all I did. bought it because all they fired Lynn, and all I wanted was a cutting edge coach who could, you know. Just literally, like, let's go play video games. And I bought into those first, like, I bought into it. He promised me we were going to write new movies, like Chargers. He knew he acknowledged Chargers Charge. He said, no, 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 the scripts are different now. Well, it's like just an earnest sequel, buddy. Yeah. Mike McDaniel is everything that we all pretended. Mike McDaniel is, on, like, I will say yeah. the Chargers, they tr that's what they tried to do. They just failed. Like, they were, they're, their attempt in hiring Staley, yeah, they wanted the way like kid. a young, cutting edge guy that's going to revolutionize. They were on that track. They just they didn't get it right. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna 
last one. Last one. Joey Kanish. Big fan. I like. I like the shtick. The shtick. I'm here for the shtick. I, don't... I told him when I was reaching out. I'm like, listen. I love. I love the whole brand. I want the full Kanish when I have him on the podcast. I don't want anything else. He's my. And favorite. I never met him in real life. And I'm worried if I did, that might ruin it a little bit. Because I really love. I love the the lane that he has picked, his commitment to the lane. I sometimes try to get in the lane and like play a bit and I get too sensitive or I don't want the criticism. So I like back off in some things. He he is so his commitment I admire. I, I guess told we you. could say. He's a nineties old school heel in wrestling. He does he wants to and is the villain and he and, lives in it and basks in it. And as someone, as we've said a few times, is 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 far more preferred to wagertainment than than Sharp. I love Joey because he is way like Joey is wagertainment. He he's an incredibly successful gambler. If you ever like have followed him or got to know him, I don't think that's debatable. I mean, maybe there's some people that want to poke holes, but he's also incredibly entertaining and can live the bit to the end like you said like a wrestler if you met him in an airport you would want him just being character yeah you when you what? when you bring him on even for a five minute ten minute spot you know you're 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 buying chaos and it's all good chaos it's the good kind of chaos huge yeah huge fan i love the bit i guess yeah that's that's a lot of words but that's my thoughts big fan all right jeff uh i'm a big fan of yours and i am so thankful that you did this i had a blast we, we walk through all the different emotions of Jeff. Uh, thanks so much, man. All the best. Uh, George is happy to, uh, I don't know, I tell a little of uh, my story. I'll say this, though, because people, I get to be the play this insane game with Pat and Tim on our show. I've always been this crazy. People are just getting to know me better. They, they've accepted it now. Yeah, They're like people think, oh, I've gotten more crazy. And I say, no, 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 I've always been this crazy. People are just getting to know me better would be my response. You know who you are? You are uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Shutter Island. Sure. Uh, (laughs) It was always crazy. We just only figured it out right at the end. Jeff, thanks so much, man. That's it for me. Another edition of 90 Degrees is in the books. I want to thank my guest, Jeff Feinberg, contributor at the Mayo Media Network and Odds Checker US, the sponsors of this podcast, Pinnacle and Betstamp, and my producer, Jason Cooper. Thanks for listening. Do me a favor before you go, like the content, subscribe, share, and comment. We'll be back next week with another guest on the 90 Degrees podcast where we give an inside look into the sports betting industry. That's it for me. Hope you enjoyed. Until next time.